We're concluding a short sermon series we picked back up again last Sunday called Things That We Believe. All of us have these little phrases that sound biblical that we bump into and we kind of take them as truth, but if we do the good work of wrestling through the scriptures, we'll say, well, I don't know that it really says that or it says something other than that. And then we talked about last week, all of us have some superstitions. Most of us, at least, wrestle with some of that. Did you know this past week was Superstition Day? If you didn't, go home and throw salt over your, is it the right shoulder? Just throw it over both shoulders. I don't know. But we have those things, right? Um, and so we're looking at another phrase that there's some tr definite truth there, but maybe we make more of it than we ought to. Even this week, somebody had told me, hey, when you preach on this series next, you need to preach about luck. I thought, well, I don't know if I need to preach about luck with Christians. The next day, I got a call from a Southern Baptist preacher, really good friend of mine. I was about to have to make a presentation at the seminary, and he said, hey, I wish you good luck. Now, he doesn't believe in good luck, but that's what we say to each other, so it's good for us to think through those things and be, and be critical of, of those things. And so here we are in the Sermon on the Mount. I've never preached this passage before. Partly, I step back and sometimes don't preach Sermon on the Mount because over 25% of all of Wesley's sermon are on these three chapters. Uh, so you've probably heard those from a, a vast array of other Methodist preachers, but there's something here that Jesus says that is so true, but sometimes we don't can't catch the fullness of it. And what's that phrase? We are not supposed to judge, Right? Well, let me say, that's right. Jesus said it, so that's right. But there's more here that he spells out for us, so we want to hear it. And if you don't like it, you're not allowed to judge me. That's what he said. But, so we're going to go through this uh, together. And, and the first thing is right. As he is closing this wonderful sermon, he talks about what can keep us from a full life with God and what we need to be about to enjoy that full life with God. And he says to us and to them, judge not. It's a good word for us. It actually comes from a biblical word. It means to make decisions or, or to distinguish. But I read one commentary that said the actual word, if you read it in its fullness, it means condemnatory censoriousness. I guess I can close the sermon. We're all, we all got that, right? Yeah, I had to look that up. But this kind of condemning sense that we are not to judge one another's salvation. Now, why would we not judge one another's salvation? Well, not just because Jesus said it. Um, but we're reminded throughout Scripture that's reserved for the judge. That's, that's reserved for the one who took our place on the cross, and so we are not to take his place in judgment. That will be his decision one day. And Christ forbids that we usurp his right in that. Now listen, there's, you read to the end of this chapter, you go to chapter 12, you go to chapter 25, Jesus talks a lot about judgment. You can't miss that. That's part of the story but ultimate and final judgment is reserved for the righteous judge, Jesus Christ. Another reason he says not judge, because it's his, but also we're reminded 
lest we be judged. As Renee said, we don't want to be judged in the way that we judge because we typically do not judge well. Boy, it's so easy to slip into being fault-finding. It's easy to slip into being critical. Uh, Jewish leaders of Jesus' day, they had an easy time sliding into that, but John Wesley, our forefather, would say this is the most common and most fatal hindrance to the Christian walk, is a critical spirit. Um, That's a caution to all of us. Whether we're a brand new believer or we're a mature believer, it comes at all of us. And here's the kicker. It usually comes, and by the time it's taken root, we've missed it all along. It, it is a subtle temptation that comes, and by the time it comes, we have, we have not sensed that we have been in danger at all. But we can do that to point the finger, to be critical of our spouses, of our children, uh, of one another, of our preacher. <laughs> you ought to hear the way Ben talks about y'all during the week, too. We can be <laughs> critical of laity, critical of our enemies. This is a common warning throughout Scripture, but so much, this is Jesus' heart sermon on the Sermon of the Mount. Judge not, so that you won't be judged in that way, but also understanding how, how easily we can slip and what it will do to us. I shared, a, I think last week or the week before, about a husband who didn't like the way his wife cooked his eggs, so he left her a post-it note, you know, criticizing that, and she, she left a hundred post-it notes about what she loved about him, for him. Well, I had read a, a recent story about another man who did something similar. His wife had cooked him eggs, two eggs that morning, and he looked at it and said, well, these are scrambled. I like my eggs fried. So the next morning, she didn't say a word. She cooked him two fried eggs, and he came down and said, well, honey, I wanted two eggs, but actually this morning I wanted them scrambled, and you made them fried this time. So the next morning he came down to breakfast. There was one fried egg and one scrambled egg. And he looked at her and said, wouldn't you know it, you fried the wrong egg. So (laughs) can that be us, right? Wesley says to his people, you know, and I've already preached that last spring, critical uh, uh, when he talks about evil speaking, saying it. But, but this goes to even to a deeper issue, into a hard issue, as Jesus is speaking about that. Maybe I don't say it aloud, but I hold it in here. And if, I hold, if I hold it in here, and I don't check that, it will guide me. I'm not going to gossip to others. I may not express my hate. But if I have that spirit within me, that attitude will eventually play out in the way I treat others, the way in which I speak to others. Another Bible commentator said this week, there is nothing more ungodly than a critical spirit. You know, I bumped into that statement. I thought, man, I could put a whole lot of things on top of that list. That's number one. The more I chew on that, there's something to that. A critical spirit. I was driving home Wednesday night after pastor's Bible study and uh, knew I hadn't finished the sermon, but I knew I was preaching this text and was driving home and a car was coming toward me on Hoy Road. So past 
51, past Old Canton, past Rice. I'm almost making it home. This kind of dark area right there, not a lot of light. And this guy doesn't have his lights on. Now, it's getting dark at that time of day, and this guy's coming at me without his lights on. I didn't say it out loud, but in my heart, I go to the Portuguese word that my wife taught me. I'm not saying she said it to me. I'm just saying she's taught me this word, idiota, which means idiot. I mean, here it is almost dark, and you, I can't even see hardly anyway, and then you're coming at me without your lights, and he passed by me, and I thought, wow, idiota. And then I thought to myself, you know, it's still kind of dark, though. They really ought to lighten this road up. Oh, I don't have my lights on. <laughs> well, there's a sermon illustration for Sunday. Idiota. How can this one, this guy with this speck in his eye, and I had a log log in my own eye and and jesus attaches a very difficult word it's a word that comes out of the culture in the greek of that day but also out of a biblical understanding of the word hypocrite you want this to hit home you don't want to be a part of this sin when you hear that word hypocrite it's a picture word it basically means this you're a person of two hearts or you say you have this heart you've got another heart and the other picture from that day was this idea of wearing a mask you're a hypocrite. You're an actor or an actress. You wear a mask because you're somebody else behind that. And so Jesus says, don't judge because you cannot take my place. Don't, don't hold people in judgment. Yes, because of that's how you'll be judged. But he also knows what will happen to us in our own lives if we have that critical spirit. So no to judging. Of course we judge. No to judging, but yes, we judge. And if you read Jesus' next couple of words, he assumes we're going to do that work. Now, we want to be careful with that work, but we kind of shirk back from it because we hear that phrase, don't judge. So it's like, I, well, I know they're struggling in their walk, but I'm not going to say anything because Jesus said don't judge. Well, I know they're struggling in their walk, but I don't want to be labeled a hypocrite. I don't want to seem judgmental, especially in the culture in which we live. So I'll just let them keep on marching to the abyss and watch them continue to damage people but look i didn't judge so i'm good i didn't i didn't step in and when you read these words of jesus what is what's the next couple of verses down i think it's verse six he calls things swine and he calls things dogs how does he do that because he made a judgment and yes he points the finger at us first says you better take care of that enormous log in your own eye but listen there is a speck in your brother's eye and after you've checked yourself what does he say take out the speck if we love one another we speak truth in love to one another it's right to just test all things take every thought captive prove all things you'll see this over and over again in scripture this openness that we're to have this accountability to have one another that we can speak into one another lot each other's lives if first we've done the hard work of Hey, are my lights on? Oops, that was me. Check, take care of my own log. But there's a ministry we have, and Jesus li lines all that up for us. Paul lines all that up for us. Peter lines all that up for us, how it ought to be. But again, in our culture, we don't like talking about that. That's too black and white. If you saw the graphic we put up on our website or social media for this series, the words are in white and black, things that we believe, but the word L-I-E and the word believe is in black. Some of these things we believe are lies. But the background is gray. Now, I say it's gray. I have no clue of it's gray. I'm colorblind. 
okay? I had to trust my college roommate with my entire life. You know, if he would, I was always afraid he put me in purple and lime, and I'd think it was blue and, you know, or whatever. They found out when I was in first grade because first I used to draw the bottom of my pictures orange, and I'd put people standing on that. And I can still remember Miss Kara saying, why, why are you doing that? Orange is the color of grass. She was like, oh, my. <laughs> and, then, and then my parents found out the day I came down for St. Patrick's Day, and I was decked out in brown. They were like, oh, my. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Gray. That's the world in which we live. And Jesus is saying to the church, don't you dare take my place. You better be careful how you judge. Be careful with your critical spirit. But after we've done those things well, if we love, it's right to be open to and even being able to share truth with each other. Never fault-finding, never critical. But Jesus, and I say this all the time, John 1.14, when Jesus came, he came full of grace and truth. He shares truth. Now, how is it you and I, in a, in, a, in a moral culture that is gray, how is it you and I know what is true and what it is we ought to share? And it's interesting what's connected to this, right? There weren't verses and chapters when this was written. It was just written. What comes immediately following this reminder that, yes, you can take the speck out of your brother's eye, what's next? This is what it takes for you and I to live well, because there's going to come a warning at the end, too, reminding us again, we don't do this well. So if you're going to do this well, to check yourself well, to not be fault-finding, to not be critical of your children and crush them, to not be holier-than-thou and self-righteous with a coworker and push them away from Jesus, Jesus says you're going to have to beg, <laughs> ask, seek, knock. It is right because of what it says right after that and because of the way it's positioned. It's right to talk about this in terms of provision, but it's right next to this verse as well. So it's right to say, listen, if you and I are going to do that well, we better be on our faces before the Lord to say, Lord, I am not judge." But if there's something I need to say to my child, would you give me the grace and the truth to say that? There's something I need to say to a sibling. If there's something I need to say to a coworker, check me, Lord, but also help me. I need you to provide for that. I need you uh, to open that door. It's right after this. It's a great reminder. If you're not going to do anything well for the kingdom, it's got to be found in prayer that we have to ask, seek, and to knock as well as a reminder, too, to just keep, keep, our, keep our noses in his word so that when we do prove all things and we test all things, take every thought captive, be able to notice dogs and swine and to, in terms of what's not of God and what's not pleasing to God, we've got to compare it to this word and what he says. I had shared an illustration when I was in student ministry for years, and I know I've shared it with churches, about how uh, the FBI check for counterfeit money. Now, I used to say that, but when I used that illustration at New Albany, two of the people who used to work at the Department of Treasury reminded me it's the Department of Treasury that deal with that, not the FBI. I wish I'd written this sermon that day to share you're being critical. But anyway, but it's interesting what they do when they study for that. They don't study counterfeit money. Not much, a little bit. Instead, what do they study? The real thing. 
We know how it burns. We know how it tastes. We know how it tears. We know what it feels like. We know. I study the real thing so that when I bump into something that's false, I know that it's false. I spend time with the Lord in prayer. I spend time in the Word. So if there is that opportunity to share a word of truth, I know, hey, this is of God, and I know what, what's happening here doesn't seem to be like it's of God in your life. What's going on? So Jesus, right after he says, yes, there are times to take out that speck, he puts it right in the context of ask the Lord, seek the Lord, knock before the Lord. And I love what, what Lori said, y'all. If you haven't heard anything else today, I love what Lori said as we open worship today. And I love what Jesus says as he's closing out this section when he says, yes, ask him, seek him, knock. What does he say to us? He says a lot about his father. Wherever you are today, Jesus says the same things to you about his father. That he is a God who is willing. Ask him. Seek him. Knock. He's a God who is willing to, to, to meet with you. And he goes, like our students sing uh, in their praise times together, he's a good father. And he gives good things to his children. He's a God who's willing, he's a God who's good, and you see here in this passage, he's a God who knows all things. If you haven't heard anything, hear that today, wherever you are. Seek the Lord. He is a good Father, a Father who loves so much that he gave us his only begotten Son. Now, Jesus, that, that section closes then with that last verse. What does he say again? Oh, oh, still got to do, do unto others. It's a great reminder to the church. Even, even though we talk about accountability, this reminder comes up again. To, that'll be another sermon another day. Do unto others. How is it, church, that when people outside of these walls bump into us, do they get anything out of us that seems critical? Do they get anything out of us that seems fault-finding? Or is there an attitude there of Jesus, an attitude of, of love, an attitude of, an, of encouragement, an attitude of compassion. And then when the time comes, if there's a question that we could share truth, will they also get the truth of God? In a morally gray world, are you and I doing the difficult work of discerning, of really seeking the Lord's wisdom for our families, for our friends, for our church? What is right? What is of God? What is holy? I know the world tells me it's whatever, but what does God and his word say? And most of all, just seek him and ask him and knock because he's a good father and he will meet us. Whatever our need this morning, let's pray about that. Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful word. We thank you for a difficult word. We need your help by your spirit to guide us in truth that we might see where we have been critical, where we have been quick to find fault. Take that from us, Lord. Help us to repent of that spirit give us eyes to see and hearts to respond we do pray that if you open doors for opportunities to share truth uh, we pray that we might be gentle that there might be a reverence as your word declares so that we might speak truth as jesus spoke it full of grace full of compassion father we thank you for this your word and we thank you for what your son has said about you this morning I pray that all of us would seek you, knowing that you are a good Father. Meet every need, every, every hurt that's been offered up, every struggle that's been offered up. We trust you, knowing you are willing 
and good. And it is in your son's name that we pray this prayer. Amen.